daily news and analysis. We keep you informed and inspired. This is World Today. Hello and welcome to World Today. I'm Ding Han in Beijing. Chinese President Xi Jinping has called on APEC member economies to adhere to innovation, openness, green development, as well as inclusiveness and mutual benefits in promoting regional cooperation. The Chinese leader made a remark at the APEC Economic Leaders Retreat in San Francisco. Xi Jinping has called for joint efforts to build another golden 30 years of Asia-Pacific cooperation. He also reaffirmed that China remains committed to peaceful development. So, joining us now on the line are Dr. Zhou Mi, senior research fellow with the Chinese Academy of International Trade and Economic Cooperation, and Professor Shen Dingli from the Institute of International Studies, Fudan University. Now, Professor Shen, President Xi Jinping said APEC has always been at the frontier of openness and transformation. Uh, of course, I guess in China's view, the Asia Pacific region should by no means become an arena for geopolitical rivalry featuring, say, small yards and fences. So, what do you think are the risks that might raise some concern that this particular region is becoming an arena for geopolitical rivalry, and what can be done to tame such risks? Well,、uh, there are two worrying、uh, new trends. Uh, which are appearing in the region.、Uh, one is a political、uh, warring trend. Some countries in the region try to use group politics or alliance politics to divide、uh, the nation in the region. They try to work together with some countries,、uh, which is quite upsetting. The other、uh, adverse trend is to、uh, divide the region's economy. They try to not to liaise with all members in Asia Pacific, but、uh, work with、uh, some countries, which is in the opposite、uh, split of APEC, which is to work with the entire country in the region, the so-called Pan Asia Pacific. Now, some Asian Pacific, and against some other Asian Pacific, these are all against the APEC. Founding principle, which was established in Seattle in 1993.、Uh, what we can do、uh, to counter this kind of upsetting trend? We, sh- we should、uh, advocate all Asian Pacific countries should create an entity, not to divide them, and、uh, therefore we should use bilateral, multilateral, and.、Uh, Asia Pacific openness and partnership to share、uh, the nation's development and to create regional public goods、uh, in economic, in science and technology, and eventually to extend such to defense and a group security area. So、mm. we have to do a lot. Hmm. Okay. So exactly talking about say science and technological matters, 
Now, Dr. Zhou Mi,、uh, one thing、uh, President Xi Jinping has emphasized once again in his、uh, address here is about the need for an an open, just, fair, and a non-discriminatory environment for science and technology. He called for Much more to be done to support the applications of big data, artificial intelligence, and cloud computing technologies in the region. So, in your understanding, why is an open environment for technological matters in the overall best interests of the Asia Pacific region? Well,、uh, we know that Asian Pacific region is the most vigorous region in the world. So we produce. So many, so many data, and also the so many applications every day, and we have so many people here. So if we can address the demand of the people, we may provide so many new、uh, opportunities for the enterprises. Actually,、uh, that is the first reason. And when we're talking about open and cooperation about the science, it's、uh, usually what the science should be, because the science should have no border of the country. It should cooperate on the Demand of the market, well, and abilities of the technology. So, for the application of the technology, they need some very better and more sustainable environment. If the enterprises is trying to get profits, they have to think about that issue in a ten years or even longer term. So, they have to put some money. For the first, for the research and development, and after several years for the、uh, for the future of the return. So if they cannot predict that these are sustain sustainable and stable environment, they may not choose to do that. So when we're talking about that cooperation, I would say that the Asian Pacific countries have、uh, many diversities. They have so many differences. Some countries and some economies are really big one, so they providing a Much bigger environment for the innovation, but some are smaller, so they they may address only a certain part or certain areas of challenges. So we can try to provide the enterprises so many opportunities if we can cooperate and make the cooperation among the economies much equal and open. That is、uh, very good news for the enterprises to have a better, you know, the, the reducing the cost and have a better sustainable development. Hmm. So President Xi Jinping said one thing we really ought to think about is how to create the next golden age for APAC. Now, I guess this is something that Professor Shen Dingli pointed to、uh, a little bit earlier,、uh, saying that some thirty years ago it was largely a shared aspiration for peace and development that drove APAC leaders to convene their first meeting. In the American city of Seattle, and this time President Xi Jinping has said in San Francisco that we ought to stay committed to the founding mission of the APEC and move to relaunch Asia Pacific cooperation. So, Dr. Zhou, in your understanding, is there a need to relaunch、um, Asia Pacific wide cooperation? Yeah, I think it's definitely necessary for us to, you know, to do more about the cooperation because the world has changed so much. Some countries and economies they are changing faster, but other economies they may still facing or trapped by the, you know, the challenges and、uh, also the limitation of their abilities. 
So when we're talking about the you know the development, the APEC economies, they really need the cooperation because the cooperation can reduce the cost of doing the same thing. Like for example, we know that for the new energy vehicles, China has experienced so many times in trying to find out the best way to develop the new energy. Uh, uh, vehicles, but uh, when we're talking about that, maybe other countries they do not have to wait the same time to have a uh, you know more usage of the EVs. Actually, I had some talk with uh, the companies of the Chinese uh, new EVs. They they said that uh, the development of some Southeast Asia areas in the APEC regions they are developing much quicker than we did. So we provide experiences, the products, and also the services. This this is definitely will shorten the time for those countries to to go the same way. Actually, it's uh, you know something that we have done. But I, when we are talking about some common challenges that we cannot deal with by only one or several. APEC economies. We have to deal it uh, in a whole, like for the climate change. Like we, how can we protect the, you know, the smaller islands and also some of the coastal areas of APEC regions. So these are kind of things that we need to address in the global supply chain, and it's a more important for the cooperation in the APEC region.、Hmm. Let's now take a look at some of the very concrete achievements that happened within the framework of APEC cooperation. For instance, over the over the past three decades, the Asia Pacific region has cut its average tariff rate from seventeen percent to somewhere around five percent, and have contributed some、uh, some seventy percent of the global economic growth. And also over the roughly same period, per capita income in the Asia Pacific region has more than quadrupled, and one billion people in the region have been lifted out of poverty over the years. So, Professor Shen Dingli, how do you think these achievements over the years were made possible? Do you think they were made possible by seeking common ground while shelving differences among different, you know? Member economies of APEC, or by forging so-called uniformity by certain powers. Well, these achievements were largely made through、uh, putting many members in the region together、uh, to create certain kinds of regional、uh, tariff reduction、uh, free trade uh, uh, grouping, like、uh, ASEAN country. Uh, plus China, plus other country, and many of them、uh, working together.、Uh, this facilitate、uh, the largest amount of、uh, tariff reduction、uh, in the spirit of World Trade Organization. But the Asian Pacific region can do better. But the upsetting trend is that some country want to do a TPP with only twelve or eleven country. Excluding some key members in Asia Pacific,、uh, that would only benefit some ten country.、Uh, but A- but APEC has twenty、uh, thirty members. That's、uh, not in the spirit of APEC. So we need to uh, want uh, such kind of adverse development. Try to persuade them, enlarge your scope, welcome others. Asia Pacific, Pacific should not be limited into some small grouping. 
should be expanded into its entirety. Okay, so Dr. Jomi, what is your take in this? For example, Professor Shen talk about say some some particular、um, countries or economies at one point wanted to move ahead with TPP, but later. The same country we are talking about here decided to withdraw because they have a new、uh, leader at the time, which was against、uh, free trade and global openness.、Um, yeah, how how do you think moving forward we can、uh, say no to this kind of、uh, you know back and forth to this kind of、uh, uncertainty? Yeah,、uh, I think that the first uh, uh, of the you know the factors that we're talking about in the apex is、uh, flexibility. So the mechanism has no a very static mecha- mechanism,、uh, you know, to decide that every economy should do the same. But I agree with you that、uh, you know when we're talking about the trade and investments for the activities of the enterprises, they need some certainty, and the certainty are based on the rules, especially from the agreements. So when talking about that, I would say that、uh, the cooperation、uh, is a really good examples for other economies to follow. So when some of the countries are trying to improve their consensus on the openness and the freedom or protection of the benefits of the companies, other countries may say that、uh, the development in those areas are better for better integration. So actually,、uh, I would say that、uh, APEC is a, a model for some good examples to be followed by others, and that is not only limited in the APEC economies themselves, but also other countries. They can also learn from them. So we can create,、uh, you know, our uh, enough competitive uh, environment based on the decision of the market instead of some government voices. That is、uh, very important to have a better allocation of. The resources and the better integration to promote the benefits and the welfare.、Mm. So Xi Jinping has also stressed about the need for accelerate、uh, green development and a greener transition. So, Dr. Zhongmi, in this regard, what do you think China is contributing to this cause of making the Asia Pacific region greener, cleaner, and more and, and more environmentally friendly? Yeah, actually,、uh, in my understanding, there are two sides that we can consider is the function of China. The first, we know that from the consumption side, China has prom- promised that、uh, we will reduce the emission of the greenhouse gases、uh, in the coming years and definitely have、uh, carbon neutralization、uh, in the year of 2060. So we have、uh, a lot of、uh, you know practices to to make our commitments fulfilled. We have a lot of adjustment to the structure. Of the industries and also the habits of the people. Well, Chinese people support these ideas, and we also trying to use more environment-friendly products and services to have a better change on the, on the habits of using the energy. Well, that provided so many opportunities to the enterprises who are able to do more innovation, and this is a, a very important one. For the other side, for the supply side, I would say that China is a very important manufacturing countries, and we produced many new things. For this year, we knew that there are three new、uh, exports of uh, the the, uh, the silicon uh, panels, uh, new vehicles, and also the the lithium batteries. So these products are all. 
to, to do something with uh, green development, many countries, they may not have the abilities to do these things by themselves, but they can import from China. So we have played a very important role in supplying some of the, of the, the environment-friendly products to other countries to help them to make the, the region greener and more healthier. Hmm. So, Professor Shen, going back to you, the last proposal by uh, President Xi Jinping in his address here is about uh, pursuing universal, mutually beneficial economic development. He wants again talk about the 2030 UN Agenda for Sustainable Development. So what is your understanding about this point? Realistically speaking, do you think common development is possible for the Asia-Pacific region? And by the way, uh, do you think China's um, development, uh, either uh, in the past or in the foreseeable future, uh, represents an opportunity for other Asian-Pacific um, economies? Well, the UN um, 2030 Sustainable Development Program indicates that we should have uh, food sustainability, environmental sustainability, technological sustainability, social sustainability. Uh, these are ideal objectives uh, which are supposed to be realized by the collaboration of all members in the region. Of course, it's not easy to achieve these ob objectives. But China is making its best efforts by producing enough food for its, uh, its own people. Mm. by uh, improving the quality of its environment for a better future, by generating new sustainable technology, like what Mr. Zhou Mi has mentioned, uh, developing the green vehicle, we call electrical vehicle, or a new, a new energy vehicle, and uh, making them more affordable and uh, with technology uh, better improvement and avail this to other countries in the region and beyond this region to extend to North America and Europe. China is making its best effort in doing all these aspects. China is, may not be the best in doing all this, but China is doing its best effort. Why not all countries can do their best and contribute their best to make the region even better? This is what China tried to do, and we want to encourage other uh, technological leaders and other members in the region all do its, their best share. This is my understanding why we need to cooperate towards the UN object. Okay. So somehow what you have elaborated here, Professor Shen, reminds me of another point uh, by President Xi Jinping uh, in which he said China is now in a, involved in a, a process to pursue uh, national rejuvenation through Chinese-style modernization, suggesting the ultimate goal of China's development is to pursue or create a better life for its people. So in your understanding, Professor Shen, do you think the this uh, idea, Chinese-style modernization, would offer any um, inspiration to some of the other APAC uh, member economies? Of course. In my personal view, uh, 
Chinese style of modernization has two components. The first is uh, China wants to lift the quality of modernization for its people, a living better life. This is a natural and legitimate aspiration of China. Of course, other countries have their own legitimate uh, pursuit in this regard. The second feature is China's own uh, governance, and which may not be the style of other countries' governance. Each country has its own uh, pursuit and its own cultural, philosophical uh, kind of a justification why they choose their own style of governance. America has its own style. Japan has its style. So we respect American style. We respect all members' individual style. And we hope our pursuit of Chinese style could be understood and hopefully be respected by other style. Therefore, all kinds of style could peacefully coexist, could flourish at the same time and also compare with each other and also uh, try to improve each other. We may not have the best style, and we would appreciate our friends to point to us, helping us to improve. But uh, we may not welcome others to, to point to us to say, why you do not follow our style? Why we must follow your style? You, why you don't follow our own style? Let's try to learn to be humble, to respect each other. I think China's uh, uh, style uh, may not fit other style. Other style may not fit China's style. Let's peacefully coexist, try to be tolerant. And mm. this philosophy, in my view, may be applicable to uh, other style. So let's learn from each other, be humble with each other. Hmm. Okay. So, Dr. Zhou, um, how would you respond to some of the points made by Professor Shen here? Uh, overall, how how do, um, what do you make of China's role in the Asia Pacific? Do you think China represents a source of uh, inspiration, stability, and economic vitality, or the opposite, as we can sometimes see uh, from some of the Western media's coverage of China? Yeah, definitely the first one. I I mean that's what the choice is for my for me to make a, a judgment. I would say that China has pro proved that uh, you know the economies, no matter small or big, they can cooperate between themselves. When we developed from a very low level, I would say that China has suffered a lot by many differences uh, between us and other countries. But we actually thrived by the cooperation, by learning from others. So this is, uh, you know, when we're talking about the similarities for between the countries, we have so many similarities with other developing countries. That's the reason why other countries that they found that even China, such a big country with uh, such low level, they can develop to that stage and level. So they believe that they can also borrow some of the ideas of China. And that's why the Belt and Road Initiative and other initiatives raised by China are so welcoming by others because they really believe that these are the experiences they can learn from. So we have provided many 
any very stable platform for the com- companies and other countries to do business with us. And that's uh, the reason why we are becoming, you know, the the biggest, uh, the most important trade partners in the world and also the one of the, the largest, uh, the FDI, the foreign direct investment related countries in the world. So we are so committed for what we have promised. And this is, uh, you know, definitely one of the most important things for countries to establish the trust-based uh, relations. And, and that is uh, very important for the market to be better off uh, tomorrow than today. Dr. Zhou Mi, Senior Research Fellow with the Chinese Academy of International Trade and Economic Cooperation, and Professor Shen Dingli from the Institute of International Studies, Fudan University. That's all the time for this edition of World Today. To listen to this episode again or to catch up on previous episodes, you can download our podcast by searching World Today. I'm Ding Hen in Beijing. Thank you so much for listening. Bye for now.